Hey there, guys. I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We are on Periscope. We are also on Facebook Live. We're going to be on YouTube on the podcast, so we appreciate you joining us. Whatever avenue you're joining us on, thanks so much. Now, I want to touch on a couple of things here as we get it going. Of course, we're brought to you by BetNow.eu. Use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus. We appreciate that, and uh, we appreciate you joining us here. So let's start off with the big picture on the Big 12 right now. You have four teams, make that three teams, West Virginia, Texas, and Oklahoma tied at the top of the conference, right? That's what this conference looks like right now. West Virginia is playing at Texas next week. That's in many ways a knockout game for the Big 12 championship, which is incredibly fascinating that we're here in November and we have a great race down the home stretch. Oklahoma is clearly the class of this conference. And you think about this conference, how weird it is this year. And we knew it was going to be a little strange, but to have... Texas beat Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State beat Kansas State, Kansas State get blown out by Oklahoma by 30-some-odd points. This conference this year just makes you scratch your head. It really does. But it's, it's uh, going to be a heck of a home stretch here if you're a Big 12 fan. And that's, of course, what we're all looking to see happen over the next month of the season. But right now it's OU's conference. And as we have one month left, Someone's got to beat them. I don't know who it's going to be. I really don't. But let's talk about these games. First off, Oklahoma State last night. There was a lot of discussion, and I was surprised by this, a lot of discussion after the game, and Emmanuel Ocho made this a big point. Um, Upset, Emmanuel Ocho works for ESPN, if you don't know who that is, um, played for Texas. He brought up this idea that somehow – Uh, Tom Herman made a mistake benching Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis for the first quarter of that game because Oklahoma State scored 17 points in the first quarter, jumped out to a hot lead. They put up 260-some-odd yards of offense. Well, why is that Tom Herman's fault? That's not Tom Herman's fault. You know whose fault that is? That's the fault of Devontae Davis and Chris Boyd for not showing up to work on time. And Emmanuel Ocho had this massive excuse. I mean, this guy had every damn excuse in the book for why Tom Herman made a mistake. Oh, he said uh, people's brains aren't developed until they're 25 years old. So he really, uh, there was just no point in doing anything. No point in doing anything to Devontae Davis or Chris Boyd. All he did was hurt his team. Uh, Emmanuel, you're better than that, man. You are better than that. To sit here and say you can't punish a 21, 22-year-old grown man for missing work because his brain isn't fully developed until he's 25? I mean, could you have a bigger excuse? Why not blame the players? They're the ones that screwed up. And yeah, Victor points out on Facebook, loose discipline is what got Mac Brown into trouble. Absolutely did. I respect the hell, and I'm not a big Tom Herman guy. I've given him a hard time many times on this show. Not a big Tom Herman guy. But I give him a lot of credit, a lot of credit for sitting those two guys for the full first quarter, not a snap, not a series, uh, a full quarter he sat him for, and he deserves some props for that. A lot of coaches sitting at number six in the country going into a tough night game on the road would not have the cojones to do it, and Tom Herman did. He deserves props for that. He's trying to build this thing and play the long game here. He's not playing simply for 
uh, one game or one night or one win. He's playing for this season, the next five years, potentially the next 10 years if he can hang around that long. So I respect him for doing that. He got a really bad rap, and a lot of people got on him last night. By the way, when Chris Boyd came in the game, he stunk anyway. So it didn't change much of the outcome there. I I don't think it did. Uh, Tylen Wallace, by the way, Tylen Wallace introduced himself to to America last night in that win, and and, um, people should be talking about Tylen Wallace. He got a little bit of playing time last year. He came in as a highly tatted recruit to Oklahoma State, and he's really taken off this season. I thought Tyron Johnson would be the better player, or I should say the more productive player, and it's obviously not been close. It's Tylen Wallace's team. And, you know, he deserves a lot of props for how he has played thus far. And give, oh, there goes something in my background. Give Taylor Cornelius some credit because for all the flack Taylor Cornelius got over the last two, three weeks since that Kansas State loss, I love how it was so Mike Gundy of him, of Mike Gundy, to basically put the ball in Taylor Cornelius's hands at the end of the game and have the guy who the fan base can't stand um, win this game for him. You know, he had the quarterback run into the corner of the end zone, which was huge, and then uh, sealed the win with that seven-yard touchdown run. And it got a little testy there at the end of the game between Gundy and Herman. I I like that stuff. I really don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. And you heard them talk after the game. It looks like they cleared the air. It was just a bit of a misunderstanding. But overall, I thought it was a a competitive, obviously, game. Fantastic way to cap off a great week in the Big 12. And you know, Texas is not going to make the college football playoff. You're not going to make it with two losses in the Big 12. You're just not going to do it. And that's why when Texas fans said, oh, stop talking about the Maryland loss, I was not going to stop talking about the Maryland loss because the Maryland loss was going to play a factor in this team's future. Now, yeah, they can still win the Big 12. But if you want to make the college football playoff, you can't have those two losses in this conference. And that's what Texas now has. There was no margin for error where had they beaten Maryland in week one, we'd still be talking about Texas as a potential college football playoff contender. We are not anymore because it's over, it's done with, and they're not going to get there. They just, they're not going to, it's not going to happen. I thought Oklahoma State fans made a mistake storming the field. Um, You've won 10 games in three straight seasons. Why are you storming the field? I don't get that. Now, Kansas storming the field, that's a different story. God bless the Jayhawks, but Oklahoma State fans should not be storming the field when you're a a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. and You can't do that. That's a pathetic look. It's just a really bad look. I I thought Oklahoma State fans were better than that, but uh, and I know that they're all great, but I'm sorry. I just didn't think that made much sense there. They uh, They are better. Now, let's dive into the other shocker of the day. The other shocker was Kansas picking up a win. Kansas beat TCU 27-26. And let's be honest, TCU, when our power rankings come out tomorrow on heartlandcollegesports.com, I have a feeling that TCU is going to be at the bottom of the power rankings. Could you imagine a worse week for Gary Patterson than what he had this week? He loses his star well, I don't want to say star. He wasn't that. He wasn't that great. His starting quarterback. Let's leave it at that. He loses his starting quarterback for the rest of the season to a shoulder injury. Then he has to kick off his most dynamic player on the team in Cavante uh, Turpin, and then he loses to Kansas. I, that is as bad a week. I don't know who Gary Patterson. You know what he did wrong 
to have this happen to him. But poor guy. I mean, that's as bad as it gets. And they had played with fire in the past against Kansas. We know about the close games in, what, 14, 15, and 16. They blew them out last year. But it felt like this had a chance of happening. It did. And Kansas snaps a 38-game October losing streak. 38-game October losing streak is what Kansas snapped. A 14-game Big 12 losing streak. Now, does it save David Beatty's job? It shouldn't. I'd be curious to hear from you on that. Um, I don't think it should. I really don't. Uh, you know, there are a lot of seniors on this team, and look at the recruiting pace for this Kansas program. It's god awful. It's terrible. Great, they have three wins. They matched their win total for the last three years when they went three and thirty-three. But this team is starting from scratch next season because this team right now is loaded with seniors. So I would not. Yeah, um, Rock Chalk says, no, it doesn't. I, I agree. I sh- no way. And you can join the conversation on Facebook Live. We're on Periscope. We're going to put this on YouTube and also on the podcast. So be sure to join us there. The podcast on iTunes. Um, you can find it, download it, and we're brought to you by betnow.eu. Use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus. They're helping us out, and I uh, hope you do as well by joining us there. So Kansas gets the win. Peyton Bender played the best game of his season by far. Michael Collins was bad. I thought Michael Collins was going to be pretty good, um, and he was really disappointing for TCU at quarterback. There were just a little bit of what I saw against OU last week I liked from him. thought he had a quick release. He could run the ball better than I expected, um, but he didn't look good. He didn't. I know he threw for a ton of yards and he loaded up the stat box, stat sheet, but I didn't think he looked all that good. And, you know, the TCU defense had itself a a tough day, especially through the air. Puka Williams, nobody can stop that guy. And if you're a Kansas fan, just hope that he doesn't transfer. Because if I'm him, I'd seriously consider it. I hate to say it, but I would. Uh, let's, Let's get to the first game of the day, which was Texas Tech and Iowa State. Boy, I really thought that that Iowa State was going to keep it close, but I thought Tech was going to get that win. But Alan Bowman finally looked like a human being. He finally looked like a true freshman, and he looked like a true freshman on the road. And whatever John Haycock is doing, the Iowa State defensive coordinator, it is brilliant. And I guarantee you, any Big 12 coach that has not watched Iowa State defensive tape is going to start watching it yesterday. Because this guy, I don't want to say he's figured out Big 12 defenses because OU still lit him up, relatively speaking. But he knows what he's doing. And he's not, uh, you know, he's not blitzing a lot. He's just sitting eight guys back in coverage. But he has three, when needed, four linemen or four rushers who can get to the quarterback. And that's what makes this team so effective. The linebacking play is great. Marcel Spears is going to be playing on Sundays. Uh, he's the real deal. He picked off Bowman twice yesterday, and that defense is unbelievable. And now you combine that with Brock Purdy. I think about this team last year with Kyle Kempt and um, you know where it's come to right now. From Kempt to Zeb Nolan, don't forget Jacob Park before that. But this Iowa State team and how they have played. And now with the offensive weapons they have, if the offensive line can just be decent, this Iowa State team is going to be playing in the Big 12 championship game on December 1st. I really do believe that. 
Because remember, they got the tiebreaker with West Virginia. So West Virginia just has to lose one more game in conference play. And if they end up with two losses, and if Iowa State ends up with two losses in the Big 12 and they're each 7-2, and two, then guess what? It's, it's Iowa State that is playing on December 1st. And, and that is something none of us thought was happening, what, three weeks ago before Brock Purdy took over this team and started leading it to a bunch of wins in a row? Uh, nobody saw that coming. And Matt Campbell and his staff, they do as good a job as anybody, as anybody coaching their guys up. They do. I mean, you think about Tom Herman, and I said it last week. At some point, Tom Herman's Longhorns were going to lose a game they shouldn't lose, a game that they were favored in. Now, you want to say last night was basically a push because it was a three-point spread? Fine. But they were going to drop a game that they were favored in, and that's why Texas was not going to go undefeated the rest of the way. Matt Campbell, for the most part, you know, he wins the games he's supposed to win, and he sometimes wins the games he's not supposed to win. And then he loses a lot of the games he's supposed to lose, that he's not favored in. But this team hasn't lost a game by double digits in, what, two years now? I, that's that's how good they are. They cover every damn spread. I mean, they killed me yesterday. I was loving my Texas Tech pick at plus five and a half. And then they go deep on third down to Hakeem Butler, and I'm jumping, uh, jumping up and down screaming about it. Because even a field goal there, they were up two points after the safety. I figure if Iowa State, you know, run, 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 kicks the field goal, they're up five, still cover the spread, everybody goes home happy, and they throw it deep. And I'm ready to, jeez, uh, tear my hair out. And I was not happy about that, but I should have known better. I really should have known better. And David Gibbs' team... Um, you know, his defense is good, and I like Tech, and I still believe in what Cliff Kingsbury is doing this season. You know, I know that Texas Tech fans might be upset, but I'm sorry, Tech fans. You're 5-3, and three, and if you win the games you're supposed to win, you lose the games you're supposed to lose, you're 7-5 and five this year. You're in a bowl game with a chance to finish 8-5. and five. I think anybody would have signed up for that before the season, and I th certainly think any Texas Tech fan would have signed up for that after the opening loss to Ole Miss. Nobody saw a 5-2 and two record after that Ole Miss loss coming. You didn't see it, and I didn't see it. So I have been critical of Cliff Kingsbury for you know several reasons in the past, but I, assuming he does not get embarrassed both of these next two games against Oklahoma and Texas, he's in a very good place for keeping his job. And I looked at his recruiting class, and it's pretty darn good. His top two recruits, by the way, in the class of 2019 are two defensive ends. At Texas Tech, it's not a wide receiver. It's not a quarterback. It's not an offensive tackle. No, it's a, it's a defensive end. So I think Kingsbury's got this thing in a pretty good spot, and I'm willing to give him some more time, um, assuming the rest of the season plays out as we all thought it would. Oklahoma dominates Kansas State. By the way, if you haven't, go check out heartlandcollegesports.com and see the link to the article I put up. It's also on our Twitter page, at heartland underscore CS. Uh, I'm Pete Mundo, by the way. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We're on Periscope, Facebook Live. We'll be on YouTube, on podcast, and iTunes, so we appreciate you joining us. Um, betnow.eu, promo code HEARTLAND. We're using those guys for a 100% sign-up bonus when you make your college football picks. Betnow.eu, promo code HEARTLAND. So uh, Oklahoma destroys Kansas State. It was 51-14. It could have been 75-7 if OU wanted it to be. 
And during the broadcast, Joel Klatt made some very strong comments, basically saying, uh, this is not Kansas State football. They're not very good. They're undisciplined. And this is not what Bill Snyder had this program doing for the past you know, several years. And he basically questioned Bill Snyder as the leader of this program. Very fair criticism. You know, a lot of things he said, a lot of people don't want to say. We've said it, but a lot of people don't want to say that. I thought it was fair. And I think a lot of Kansas State fans are sitting there, and we got a lot of feedback on Twitter yesterday about this with fans saying, why and when? And when are we getting some answers here on what the future is for Bill Snyder? Uh, if there is a future for Bill Snyder, if we're going to hang out with Sean Snyder for the next five years and see how that goes, I don't think anybody should want Sean, Sean Snyder running the show because Bill Snyder has said he's basically in charge of our program right now. And this program is not in a very good place. It's not. Now, OU is going to do and has done to a lot of teams what they did to Kansas State on Saturday, which is beat the hell out of them. They had over 700 yards of offense. It was unbelievable. But still, Kansas State was just that inept and that bad, and the score could have been much worse than it was. That being said, as for Oklahoma, team still has a great chance of making the college football playoff. I really do. I, I really believe that. Um, I think that you look at OU and what they have left, and how they're playing, and you're starting to see improvement on the defensive side of the ball. They give up 24 points to TCU in the first half last week. Then they give up just a field goal in the second half. Then they come home, they play Kansas State to give up 14 points. Uh, the, and you know, one of those was a garbage touchdown at the end. When let's be honest, there were a lot of backups in that game. So I think the impact of Ruffin McNeil is starting to show itself. Will continue to show itself. And Lincoln Riley is, I know it was tough during the bye week, but he did the right thing letting go of Mike Stoops. Guys are happy. You're playing for Ruffin McNeil. That is worth something. There's absolutely value there. So a lot of good things right now for the Oklahoma Sooners. And Kennedy Brooks, I mean, he makes you say Rodney who and Trey who. Uh, Kennedy Brooks, it's like they just keep shuffling these guys out. They're absolute beasts. And the offensive line, I mean, who is getting behind this offensive line for the Oklahoma Sooners? It's just been so darn incredible. So join the conversation, guys, on um, Periscope, on Facebook Live. And, you know, let me know your thoughts. Curtis writes that we saw wrinkles in our offense with the tight ends and short passes that we haven't seen yet. And we still have things we have yet to show on offense. Um, Curtis, I assume you are a West Virginia fan. I believe it is if that's right. Now, the West Virginia game, they were angry. This was an angry West Virginia team on Thursday night against Baylor. And, you know, Baylor shows it still has some room to grow. I know that Baylor's played better, but let's be honest. The Texas game would have been much uglier if Sam Ellinger wasn't hurt. And then they go on the road in Morgantown and get blown out. Now, that's what happens to a lot of young teams. Happens to a lot of young teams in Morgantown on the road in Big 12 play. Uh, and I'm glad that Jake Spavadol put in some new wrinkles on the offense. That's what he had to do. That's what he didn't do against Iowa State. He didn't make any changes. He didn't have any wrinkles to the offense. It was just the same damn thing over and over again that wasn't working. It just it wasn't working at all for West Virginia. So I don't know if that was Spavadol. I don't know if that was Dana Holgerson getting in the room with them on the offensive side and saying, yeah, I, I know I said I'd be hands off, but you need some help here, Jake. So I'm going to help you. I don't know, but 
if West Virginia plays like it did on Thursday night, then yeah, they can go into Austin and then they can win that game this weekend. And by the way, I will be in Austin this weekend for that game. So we'll be doing a little bit of a, of a Heartland College Sports tailgate. I'll have more information on that earlier this week. But if you are going to be there, either a West Virginia fan or a Texas fan, please do stay tuned to the website this week, and I'll let you guys know uh, what was going on and what we're going to be doing next Saturday. Jeff writes, uh, looked like Dana was way more involved with Spav. Leash is tightening. Good. The leash should be tightening on Jake Spav at all. I mean, after last year when he runs Will Greer into the corner of the end zone and gets his thumb basically torn off to some of the you know, disappointments that we've had uh, this year at times with that offense going scoreless in the second half against Texas Tech, slow starts against Tennessee, um, you know, of course, two weeks ago against Iowa State. Good. The lease should be tightening. It should be tightening for Jake Spavital. Yeah, Barry, keep, keep stay tuned. We'll, we'll let you know what's going on with the tailgate this weekend. But uh, we hope to see some of you guys out there. I'll have koozies. We'll have uh, drinks and everything else. So right now the Big 12 is a three-horse race, the three horses we expected. It's West Virginia, Texas, Oklahoma, not in that order. I was just listing them. And then I think Iowa State's the most likely dark horse at this point to crash the Big 12 championship game. And OU is by far the best chance to make the college football playoff. It is. Uh, West Virginia can do it. Not having that non-conference game against NC State is going to hurt them. I think that's going to come back to bite them. If they do end up winning the Big 12 and only having one loss, by the way, West Virginia, you know, hang on tight here. You still got to play. What do you got to play? Texas, OU, Oklahoma State and TCU, and then a Big 12 championship game, and you got to win all five of those to reach the college football playoff, I'm not going to say it's likely, but I'm also not going to say it's impossible. But I'm not going to go there just yet. But they'd have to win out. They'd have to win out to have a chance. There's there's just no doubt about it. Um, right now, OU's the favorite. Texas, I, I just don't think the Longhorns can get there with two losses. Even at 10-2 and two in a Big 12 championship, I don't think they can get there. I don't think it's possible. Uh, it's, it's just not, you, you can't have two losses in the big 12 and make the college football playoff. I hate to say it, but you just can't do it. So tech is still going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I do believe that Iowa state's in the mix, Oklahoma state. I have no idea what the hell happened to that team from two weeks ago against Kansas state. I, I, how that's the same group of guys that went up to Manhattan and got steamrolled by 19 points. I have no freaking idea. None whatsoever. I, what Mike Gundy pulled off is a borderline miracle, and maybe we should have known better because it was a night game. It was homecoming. It was Stillwater. There's always a little magic there for that. Maybe I should have known better, but I, I just I didn't see it coming. I really didn't. And by the way, just quickly as we wrap it back around to that Texas game, Sam Ellinger, he's a good quarterback, man. He's come a long way throwing the ball. I really like his game. That touchdown pass to... Was it Ingram in the corner of the end zone, left side, to get things going late in the third quarter? That was on a dime. I mean, he really threw that ball well, and he's been getting better and better through the air. If he has that with his running game, I mean, I don't want to say Tim Tebow is going to end up being a poor man Sam Ellinger because Tim Tebow has the intricate and the detail-oriented nature of his game and that Tebow magic that few players have. 
but it looked like Ellinger was going to be a poor man's Tebow, but now it looks like Ellinger is going to be a heck of a passer. If this guy hangs around two years, imagine what he's going to be in 2020 throwing the ball. I mean, I, I really like him. I do. Once again, guys, I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Any final comments, thoughts, put them on Facebook Live, put them on Periscope. If not, we're going to wrap things up. I'll let you get back to watching some NFL. And if you missed it, please do share this on Facebook, retweet it on Periscope. We'll put it on the podcast as well. So we appreciate you guys joining us. What's my take on the so-called super conferences that look to be coming in West Virginia being in the SEC? I don't know where you're hearing that, Curtis. Uh, the Big 12's got six, seven years left until we have any type of realignment. I'm not buying it. I don't want to see it happen. You think Missouri's happy being in the SEC? By the way, Missouri got hosed yesterday on that final uh, final series. They got really screwed by the referees on that. I think Missouri misses the Big 12. I think Nebraska misses the Big 12. They'll never admit it. Their fan bases will never admit it. But they should miss the Big 12. You think Colorado misses the Big 12? Who'd they lose to? Oregon State yesterday? Uh, they had a decent year, what, a year or two ago, but they've been basically irrelevant. Um, so, you know, A&M. Great, you got Jimbo Fisher in the SEC. Still somewhat irrelevant. It's Alabama's world. You're just living in it. So I think some of these teams missed the Big 12. Uh, I don't I don't know if the Super Conference thing is ever going to happen. I don't want to see it happen, that's for sure. I think the Big 12 has a really good thing going right now. Whether or not they get a team into the college football playoff, it's going to be uh, very interesting. Compare Sam Ellinger and Will Greer. Different players. Different players. Uh, Greer's not much, he, Greer has mobility in the pocket, but he cannot run the ball like Sam Ellinger can. Uh, he just he can't do it. Ellinger wants to put his shoulder down and you know cut off the right tackle and get a five yards up the field. Will Greer doesn't want to do it, and frankly, that's not what he's built to do. Um, you know, which guy would I rather have for one game at this point? Probably Will Greer, but. You know, Sal Mellinger in 2020, if he hangs around for his senior season, it's going to be a hell of a quarterback. I mean, he'll be he'll be in the Heisman discussion at that point if he hangs around that long. And you hope he does because I think Texas is, you know, the, the whole thing about whether or not Texas is back, I've said they were back after beating Oklahoma because they won a top game. They won a top-tier game. They did it. Um, to improve their record to, what, 5-1 and one at the time. They were in the top 10. It was well-deserved, well-earned. I still think they're back. I mean, this team, it's November. It's going to be November this weekend, and they'll be tied for first place in the Big 12 with a chance to make the conference championship game. To me, that's back. I mean, what does back mean? You have to win a national championship to be back? No, I think that they are back. It doesn't mean I think they're going to win the Big 12, but I, I do think that they are back. Next week in Austin, Corey, I don't know, man. Well, I have a thought on what's going to happen, but I'm going to save that prediction for middle of the week. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll be at that game, by the way, once again, for whoever's going to be there. So we'll be doing a Heartland College Sports tailgate in Austin this weekend. West Virginia fans, Texas fans, whoever's going to be there, uh, stay tuned. We'll have more information on that throughout the week. So um, I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks for joining us, guys. Please do share this. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon.